What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Tour Championship. This is probably, along with the match play event, the most important DFS preview of the year because there are so many nuances, there is so much strategy, and there is so much that a lot of users are going to screw up. Uh, so... Sit down, buckle up. Uh, this is going to be a fun one. I love this one. I've got a couple of extra tools that I want to show off and share with you guys, uh, but I'll get to that in a second. As far as content goes this week, still very much going to be your betting uh, preview on Tuesday, your live chat 3 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday, your jock market power hour 8.15 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday, and then your watch party, which is Friday 4 p.m. Eastern time. That's just a live hang. It's usually a cut sweat show. There is no cut this week, but it's an opportunity for us to kind of um, run the numbers, look ahead to the weekend, see if there's any bets to be made. A really good hang on a Friday afternoon. And before we move on to the Tour Championship, the BMW Championship was very, very generous to a couple of members of the community. First off, Nick Sheffield, he did it. Yeah, he won the flop shot, $200,000. Congratulations to you, Nick. You absolutely love to see it. And then Austin uh, sent a very nice message. He said, I finally did it. What a sweat this was. Pretty remarkable. I was able to get second, second place, without the winner. Uh, huge shout out to Rick Run Good. Started following you this year and didn't disappoint. Best content in the business. Um, thank you very much. I'm so stoked for you. That second place finish was worth $20,000 in the single entry, the $200 single entry, uh, which is called the driver. So congratulations to those guys. If you want to be a part of the community, um, there are two ways to win a subscription to rickrungood.com. You can just go sign up. You don't have to win it, but if you want to try to win, uh, here are the two ways to do it. If you're here on YouTube, uh, like this video, make sure you are subscribed and leave a comment below with who you think is going to win the tour championship without the starting strokes. More on that in just a second. So straight up, everybody starts at zero. Let's go that way and see some creative responses. The other way, leave a five-star rating and review on the iTunes version of this show. Uh, it's called 300 yards to unknown. It will be linked in the description. Leave a five-star rating and review. Say something nice. Leave me your Twitter handle. Those are the two ways to get entered into a draw, and I will pull those uh, next week when... I was going to say when I do the DFS preview, but there'll be, there'll be stuff next week. We'll figure it out. Um, okay, so let's now turn our attention to this very unique tour championship. So I'm already getting a ton of questions about this. Um, there are 30 golfers in this field. There's technically, as of me recording this, only 29 on DraftKings. DraftKings did not include Patrick Reed in the player pool, although Patrick Reed is the 30th ranked player. He has qualified for this event. He's been dealing with, uh, he's been in, he's been out in and out of the hospital uh, with pneumonia. And uh, I have not seen any official withdrawal, but DraftKings does not have him. So keep an eye out if, if Patrick Reed does end up getting added to this player pool. Now, what you also need to know is for the last two years, the tour championship has been uh, rewarding its high highest ranked players with starting strokes based on their positioning in the FedEx Cup standings before this event. So I actually added this to the cheat sheet. Um, you can see, oh, and of course, it's not going to do it right. Uh, it's thinking it's text. So here's what I'll do. 
<laughs> I'll fix that. Uh, so Patrick Cantlay, because he comes in in the number one spot, fresh off his win at the BMW Championship, is going to start this event at 10 under par. Tony Finau is going to start at 8 under, Bryson DeChambeau at 7 under, John Rahm at 6, and then Cameron Smith at 5 under, and then you're going to have 5 guys at 4 under, 5 guys at 3 under, 5 guys at 2 under, 5 guys at 1 under, and 5 guys at even par. This is the big part of the strategy this week. In fact, we're probably just going to throw away the cheat sheet and I'm going to show you this matrix that I've built for this the last couple of years to kind of better illustrate the the potential outcomes for this event. Um, the, the, the big thing to know is while the starting strokes are going to really dictate the pricing, Patrick Cantlay, 13400 which is a very expensive price, a price we don't normally see, all the way down to Eric Van Royen, $5,000. So it really dictates the price, but those starting strokes do not come with the prerequisite birdies or eagles or pars, right? If, if a normal golfer gets the 10 under par over the course of an event, um, it is because they've made birdies. They've they've made eagles, right? That That's not going to happen. When this event starts, before anybody hits a tee shot, Patrick Cantlay is going to have 30 points, 30 first place points. Now, what we've seen in the past is, uh, you know, by the second hole, that could be gone. So what we saw two years ago when Justin Thomas entered uh, with the, the number one spot, uh, I think like three holes in, you know, he had made a bogey, someone had made two birdies, and Justin Thomas dropped to second, and in turn, his finishing position bonus dropped to 20 points. Okay, so that's... That's kind of part one here is that the fluctuation of these finishing position points is going um, it's going to be important and it is is likely to fluctuate very early over the course of this event. Now, I will say uh, DraftKings has done a better job with the pricing this year. You know, in the past, I think Justin Thomas was fifteen thousand five hundred. DJ was very expensive as well to keep everybody kind of in this you know, two guys in the 13,000 range, one guy in the 12,000, a couple in the 11. This seems to be a better use of the pricing. And now what you also have to keep in mind, um, and we'll talk about this more on the betting show on Tuesday, there's going to be an opportunity to bet this event with or without the starting strokes. So the guys who are further back, they know they have to make up ground. They know that they're going to have to keep the foot on the pedal. In my opinion, they are probably better investments in this outcome. But it's a little bit like round four showdown where the finishing position is already built in. Course key stats tool here. And Eastlake is, um, it's a par 70, it's 7,300 yards, it's Bermuda grass. Historically, it is a really good correlated course because you you get um, the, generally the same golf, not the same golfers, but the top 30 golfers is at the same time of year. The course generally plays very, very similar. And it should be no surprise to you uh, that you're seeing some strongly correlated stats. And the, the strongest correlated stat to success is strokes gained approach. There are only six other courses on the PGA Tour where strokes gained approach is more important important and then strokes gained off the tee is next so this is this is a ball strikers paradise um so if you're looking for those types of golfers you can certainly use the tools here to say okay you know last 24 rounds maybe i want guys that are hot who are the best approach players in the field well daniel Berger's number one uh he's gaining 1.2 strokes on approach per round he's $5,800 maybe he is a shoe in absolutely plug into your lineup type of guy what you're really going to want to do 
and how you'll win all the money. I think Ches Reevy was this guy either last year or two years ago. I think Mackenzie Hughes was this guy last year. You need the, the guy who will win you the money is the guy who starts 20th or lower and finishes T8. Because they will have made so many birdies uh, to move up the leaderboard. They will have improved their finishing position, and they will be very, very cheap. That's There's usually one golfer that unlocks this. Now, Daniel Berger will likely be very, very popular starting at uh, even par and only costing $5,800. And the fact that we see that he's been such a great approach player over his last 24 rounds... That is all going to to be considered, and he's going to be very popular. But generally, you're looking for those guys who are able to make a move up the board. Um, Rom is number two in strokes gained approach in the last 24. Louis Ustazen, Colin Morikawa, and Justin Thomas round out the top five. And then if you look at strokes gained approach, or excuse me, off the tee, of course it's Bryson number one by a wide gap. Rom, Brooks, Sergio, and Rory rounding out the top five there. But this really, really comes down to who can actually win who after four rounds and being spotted strokes can come out on top that I believe that list is much shorter than other people do so let's go to the matrix and I'll show you what I'm talking about What's up, guys? Just wanted to pop in real quick and see if you're a member of rickrungood.com yet. If you have not been paying attention, there's been a lot of new data injected. There's been a lot of new tools. Things are constantly being updated. You're getting official PGA Tour strokes gain data round by round. There's a ton of Corn Ferry Tour information. There's a ton of Champions Tour information. The custom model has being is constantly being expanded so that you can choose any metrics that you want and create lineups that way it's constantly being updated and there are a few ways to join it's seven dollars a week it's twenty dollars a month it's a hundred for six months or 200 for the year which also gets you access into the slack channel where there is plenty of discussion questions answers all that good stuff going on all the time so don't wait any longer subscribe to rickrungood.com This is The Matrix, and I have built this the last couple of years to help me understand who actually has a chance of winning this golf tournament, and I I will walk you through this. It is probably a little bit intimidating to start and trying to figure out what's going on here. I will also make this available to download for you. So if you go to the homepage of rickrungood.com, and if you look underneath Cheat Sheet, right here on the left-hand side, there is a link that says Matrix Download. That will download the Excel file for you. I am, I'm, I'm giving that away to you. Uh, have fun. You can mess around with it yourself. Um, in return, hit the like button. That's all I ask. Thank you. If you want to subscribe to rickrungood.com, plenty of good stuff there, but at least hit the like button. Thank you very much. This matrix, um, I love it, first of all. So, so what it does is it generally... So I've got this broken down into three different categories, Uh, career stats, yearly stats, and then like more recent stats to try to see the different ways that golfers uh, can win this golf tournament. Now I'm using um, strokes gained. I'm using strokes gained averages. I'm using strokes gained standard deviations, and I'm essentially just creating a bell curve. Uh, you, you, the NNT uh, followers and fans, you don't have to message me about bell curves. I know that there are probably better ways to do this, but I think it's a really simple, easy illustration to show you what's going on. So in what this matrix tells you is what their player is, what their starting score is, um, how many strokes gained that is, and then what it does is basically this. So this column right here, L, this is the player's career strokes gained average. Uh, And then over here, 
is their standard deviation for the same time period in this in this case it's their career and basically if you understand kind of how standard deviations and bell curves work um you know within a couple of standard deviations of each other you can kind of get an idea of the likelihood of a golfer gaining six strokes or minus six strokes or plus eight or minus two or whatever you can kind of figure out how likely those outcomes are so the way that the way that this works is um, if every single golfer played to their career average over four rounds, every single one, Patrick Cantlay is still going to come out on top. Um, he is going to start two strokes ahead of Tony Finau. He is going to gain more strokes than Finau and Bryson and Cam Smith. He's actually going to lose strokes to John Rahm, but John Rahm is not going to make up enough over four rounds. So the actual finishing position um, based on career data would be and and everyone playing to their average would be Cantlay first, Rom second, Finau third, Bryson four, Jordan Spieth five. That would be the top five. Okay, so keep keep that in mind. Now, uh, we can start tinkering with this. So, for example, what would it take for John Rom to win? the tour championship starting four shots back. We know he's already going to leapfrog two players. If everybody plays to their average, if, and and by this 50% column, that's everyone playing to their average. Let's start tinkering with John Rahm. Does he need a, a 55th percentile performance? No, he's still a shot back there. Does he need a 60th percentile? Oh, we're getting a lot closer. A 65th. Yeah, that'll do it. So here's, here's what this says. If John Rahm plays to, his, his 65th percentile finish, a basically slightly better than average, and everyone else plays to their average, John Rahm is going to win. Now, how likely is it, and how often does he play to that 65th percentile? Well, that's him gaining 8.4 strokes on the field over four rounds. Let's take a look. 8.4 is the magic number. I'm on the golfer profile page and I'm just scrolling down and looking at his recent events. The BMW championship, he gained 6.8. That's not enough. But in his four starts previous to that, excuse me, five starts previous to that, he gained 12, 12, 15, 21, and nine. So this is certainly well within the range of outcomes for John Rahm to win the tour championship. Now, that also doesn't even really indicate, that's everyone else playing to their average. Let's say John Rahm plays a little bit worse than that. He plays to his 60th percentile, but Patrick Cantlay plays a little bit worse than his. He plays to his 45th percentile, slightly worse than average. Well, now John Rahm still wins. So you you really need to understand the different outcomes, which is why I like making this um, this this matrix available to you guys because you can mess with it all. You can set percentile finish, finishes for, 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 for literally everyone here. Um, and also, the other big thing is how many guys do they have to pass? That's really key here. So let's set everybody back to 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 um to fifty percent. So let's go someone down the board. Uh, and Rory McIlroy. Rory McIlroy certainly has, in theory, the firepower to make up eight strokes. Actually, I don't. I I do not believe someone from two or three under par can win this golf tournament. Let me let me try to illustrate that. And I think we can agree that Rory and Dustin Johnson kind of have that firepower to do it. But I'm already getting the questions. I'm already hearing comments that are like, oh, Rory's only eight back. He has four rounds to make it up. Let's find out. Uh, if Rory has a 75th percentile performance and everyone else plays to their average, he finishes second. What about 
Still second. What about 85%? Yeah, that'll do it. What about 83, 82? Nope, 83. That's the number. He needs an 83rd percentile performance, which is him gaining 12.2 strokes on the field in four rounds. How often does Roy McIlroy gain 12.2 strokes? If we go back to the golfer's profile page and we type in Roy McIlroy, and we, what are we looking for? 12.2. Well, he did it, let's see, um, at the Wells Fargo Championship where he won. That was the last time he did it. He gained 10 last week, 6 and 7 a couple weeks ago, 10 at the U.S. Open, but 14 at the Wells Fargo. That would be good enough. The time before that, well, he gained 12 in 2020 at the WGC Mexico, but 12.2 is the number we're looking for. Uh, okay, Last, uh, two years ago at the Tour Championship, he gained 13. I mean, he's been very, very good at Eastlake, right? Let's actually do that. Let's let's sort by um, Eastlake here or the Tour Championship because he's been very, very good at the Tour Championship. And even then, only once has he gained more than 12.2 strokes at Eastlake. It was two years ago. He gained 10.4 uh, in 2016, but that's not good enough. So really, we are already saying... For an 83rd percentile performance for Rory McIlroy, that's something he has done twice in the last two years, something like that. Um, now, let's say let's say we get that performance from Rory, which we all agree now is a once a year type of thing for him historically. Once a year, let let's see if that's what what else can happen. If Patrick Cantlay plays to a 50 second percentile performance. Basically, the tiniest bit better than average, Rory still doesn't win, okay? So we just asked Rory McIlroy to have a once-in-a-year type of performance, in which he's already had this year, and if anybody ahead of him, so that's Cantlay having a a, a slightly better-than-average week. Uh, if John Rahm has a, whoops, well, 60, 60, 645% is definitely going to do it. Um, if John Rahm has a 65th percentile per- performance, he spoils it for Rory. If Tony Finau has a, probably bigger than that, probably 70th, yeah, 70th per- percentile performance, he spoils it for Rory. So the problem is, not only are you asking some of these guys to come from so far back and have an absolute ceiling week, you are also asking all of the guys ahead of them to not have a good week. It's a, it's a really big ask. It's a really tough math problem is what it ends up being here. And the guys who are so far down are completely behind the eight ball. Um, and that's Rory, right? That's Rory, who we all agree is, is incredibly talented here. So let's, let's go even further, right? Let's say, what, what is Kevin Na? So Kevin Na is um, generally a very volatile, high upside golfer. Uh, let's use him as an example here. He's at minus two. He needs a, I mean, this is going to be wild. He needs basically a 96th percentile performance. What does that mean? He needs to gain 12 strokes on the field and every single other player ahead of him basically has to have an average week or a worse week than that. Because if any of these guys, if any of these guys have a slightly better than average week, they're going to start to spoil it for Kevin Na, right? Especially the guys at the top, John Rahm, Tony Fina. Let's do Let's do John Rahm. 55th percentile. Uh, how about 60th percentile? Would that get it done? 
75th, that'll definitely get it done. I, it's just, this is just such a tough math problem um, when you're when you're that far back. So realistically, who can actually win this golf tournament? Well, we'll get to that. But I also have the, the winning score over here. So, um, you know, if we think the winning score is going to get to 22 under par, that's a winning score that Patrick Cantley only gets to only gets to 9% of the time. Uh, Dustin Johnson only gets there 2% of the time. Now, if the winning score is closer to like 18 under, that brings a lot more golfers into it, right? Patrick Cantley is going to get there a quarter of the time. He's going to get there far more often because he's starting at 10 under. Uh, but that brings back in Morikawa and DJ and, and, and Justin Thomas and guys of that nature. So I, I just hope that this really illustrates how hard it's going to be to win Outside of probably the top four guys and five guys in the field. I mean, speed and here's what we can do. So this is their career numbers. Let's 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 really go nuts here. So I've done this is 2021. I have the year tab down here, but here's the recent. This is a very, very small sample size. This is since uh the start of uh, I think I did May. So so this is gonna this is gonna have some really, really volatile results here. So uh let's mess around with this for a second. And we can just see from, from standard deviations, you know, the higher the standard deviation, the more volatile that golfer is. And I think uh, if you're looking for someone to come from back of the pack, they need to be volatile. volatile volatility can go both ways. Jesse has Colin Morikawa, who has the highest standard deviation in this field since May, right? He won the he won the Open Championship. He's, he's really struggled. He finished, I think he finished dead last last week. So that volatility, though, is kind of good in this situation. So what type of outcome do we need from Colin Morikawa? Morikawa. Wow. Okay. So a 65th percentile performance moves him up to third, but to win, to actually win, he's going to need like an 85th percentile. He's going to have to gain 15 strokes on the field while everyone else plays to average. That's going to be a tough ask. Um, Sam Burns becomes a lot more interesting in this format because of the ceiling, right? So let's see. 75th. Does that get him to victory? No. No, 85th does. But if you noticed, a 65th percentile performance gets Sam Burns uh, into the top three. So this is kind of a really interesting tool to be using for your top fives, your top tens, your top, well, I guess there's probably not tw top 20 bets. But like these guys who have the upside, who don't have as many golfers to pass, who don't need a super big ceiling week, um, I think are really interesting. Like, let's take this Sam Burns ones for for example. So, so if Sam Burns can get to a, a 65th percentile uh, performance, which is asking him to to gain 8.8 .8 strokes on the field, let's see how often he does that. Okay, 8.8. .8. Well, he almost did it last week. 7.8. Uh, three starts ago at the WGC FedEx St. Jude, he gained 12. Travelers Championship, he gained seven. Not quite eight, but close. Byron Nelson, he gained 12. Valspar, he gained 16. Genesis, he gained 12. Farmers Insurance Open, he gained eight and a half. Houston, he gained 9.6. Safeway, 9.5. So, so what? A quarter of his starts this year, 20% of his starts this year, this season, he's done, he's done what we're asking of him. That is a really good volatile option in Sam Burns where you're not asking him all that much. Winning going to be hard. Finishing top five, much more obtainable. So when you're looking at your top, you know, your top five, your top 10 numbers, volatility is good here. Embrace it. All right, again, you can go download this. You can mess with this all you want. Hopefully, I gave you enough illustrations of, of how, to, how best to use this. But um, he, my assessment of the situation is as follows. In terms of winners, there are probably 
four guys with a really, really good chance of winning this. Uh, Cantlay, Finau, Bryson, and Rom. Uh, Rom is, uh, Cantlay's probably number one, just because if everyone plays to their average, he wins this. Rom, uh, number two, Bryson, number three, Finau, number four is how I would rate them, which means you probably get a little bit of value on Bryson, uh, at $12,300. Um, it, it is interesting to see who I think these, the, the big movers could be, um, you know, Louis Oosthuizen, I, I I think is a really interesting option because if everyone plays to their average for four rounds, Louis is going to finish fifth and he's going to start 11th and he's $7,600. He is cheaper than uh, basically every other three under guy except for Sung JM, which, which is amazing because Louis has been great. And I know he hasn't played recently and there's always that WD concern and you never know how the neck is feeling and all that stuff. But like, um, Louis very, very interesting in this scenario. So I'm going to keep an eye on him. Other potential big movers. Uh, Rory is certainly a big mover. Is, is it too much for him to win? Probably, but for him to move up the board, it, it really doesn't take much, you know, a, a 65th percentile, a 68th percent, you know, something like, well, let's see here. I want to get him into the top five. There we go. Something like a 72nd percentile performance, him gaining 9.3 strokes on the field. Not, not something he's incapable of doing that gets him into the top five. Um, the, the, the Daniel Berger situation, he's probably going to be the most popular. You know, he is such a cheap price at $5,800. He is, uh, not only great on approach, but he, he just, you know, he can get it all going. I think that he has likelihood to move, to move up in a big way. If we look at the year-by-year year numbers, which is this is 2021, uh, what I was looking at just a second ago was was the recent stuff. Berger becomes even better. You know, he moves up a lot of spots in 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 that scenario. Uh, and then Morikawa is Morikawa is terrifying here, but uh, in terms of volatility, in terms of what you want, he is he is very volatile. What we can actually do is um, we'll run a model here, and then we'll we'll come back and see how these guys are are looking on the on the matrix as well. I think in the playoffs, and actually the model that we ran last week, I don't have the results in front of me, but somebody was sending me a message. Uh, it, it was really good last week. And I think keeping it really keeping it really tight, um, you know, maybe like let's, let's just do 12 rounds, right? Like super, super tight. Let's do 12 rounds. See where this goes. So uh, I think we clearly want the ball striking categories. Let's do 30 on approach, 20 off the tee. Um, strokes gained approach was, was significantly the most correlated uh, stat to success at Eastlake off the tee was number two. And then the rest of them were kind of sub average, but I, I, I do want to create again, kind of just that weighted, that weighted strokes gain total. So I'm just going to throw 10 on around the green and 10 on putting, which leaves me with 30. Um, uh, the way that I'm also going to do this is a couple of things. So I have 30 left. I'm going to do 15 on par four scoring. Cause it's a par 70. And then I'm going to do 15 on birdie or better. Cause you have to remember here, and we'll talk about this more in the betting preview. There is um, there is going to be kind of a disconnect between some of the goals for the players and their pricing or their odds, right? So when you bet someone outright in the version of, um, you know, in starting strokes or in no starting strokes, you need to understand what the player's perspective is. You know, the player... Um, might not even know they're they're winning the non-starting strokes version, right? They're just trying to chase down a guy at the top. So you'll probably not see me 
at all bet outright uh, any of the guys near the top um, of of the starting sh- of of the FedEx Cup points in the non-starting stroke version because they're just not incentivized to keep their foot on the pedal. So I think birdie or better, especially for some of the value guys, is going to be critically important. So my model, my top guys are, oh boy, uh, John Rahm, number one, no surprise. Sam Burns, number two, love the volatility, no surprise there. Sung J.M., Patrick Cantlay, Bryson DeChambeau. I could make a team out of all these guys. Abraham Answer, Justin Thomas, Cam Smith, EVR, flat 5,000 is ninth in my model. Kevin Na. 10th, he is 6,000. So I certainly have some, uh, I have some cheap options here. Now, remember when you're rostering six of 30 golfers, you have, what is that math? 20% of the field in every single one of your lineups. So, so ownership percentages are going to be completely jacked up this week. Um, you're going to need to kind of take more, like there's going to be golfers who are probably 40, 50, maybe even 60% owned. Daniel Berger might be that guy early in the week just because of uh, how many guys of the field that you actually do have to roster. And it gets even bigger than that if Patrick Reed does not end up playing in this event, which we'll certainly keep an eye on for the rest of the week. But those are my golfers. Um, I do want to see what kind of lineups I can make with EVR and uh, Kevin Na instead of Daniel Berger because I think Berger is is certainly going to be that popular one, but EVR has been red hot. Kevin Na is super volatile. You're, you're going to see me embrace all the volatility this week. That's probably going to be your Brysons, your Sam Burns, your uh, your EVRs, your Kevin Na's. Like this is this is seemingly the week for that. So that's the direction that I'm headed in. Uh, again, you can find that matrix on the homepage of rickrungood.com. It'll be on the left-hand side. It'll say matrix download. It's already there. Um, this is a fun one. I will do my best to try to tweet some good stuff out in the, in the run good rundown, which is a newsletter that I create, um, most weeks when I have the time, uh, and we don't get pushed back the week before from the tournament, uh, that will, I assume have a lot of really interesting nuggets on it because this is such a unique event. I think that'll do it. Let me know what you think. Tweet me at Rick Run Good. Leave a comment below. Best of luck this week, and I'll talk to you guys soon.